you don't necessarily have to have a very large network in order to get to where you want to be. A few key players and a few genuine relationships can get you exactly where you want to be in half the time. Brittany. Hi. Thanks for having me. So incredibly. Y'all, I'm going to tell y'all real quick something about Brittany. Brittany don't play that. <laughs> She wanted to know, she was like, she wanted to know all the details and nook in the crannies. She was like, nah, what's, what's going on? You invite me? Okay, what's happening? Everything. And I appreciate you so much for being here. Came very highly recommended. Thank you. And so we're very, very honored to have you. So one of the cool things, uh, our first episode, we actually had a, um, our first episode was with Shanae. And of course, she is a tech recruiter. Yes. But you're not a tech recruiter. You are a senior talent sourcer yes. for Uber. Yes. Yes. So please, can you please just really quickly tell us, like, what is the difference between a talent sourcer, specifically a senior talent sourcer, mm -hmm. and a tech recruiter? Yes, it all starts with the process of an organization understanding that they need to fill a talent space. So that's going to come with opening a requisition, which is then assigned to a recruiter. The recruiter will fill that rec from top to bottom, end to end, full life cycle, from reviewing applications to advancing talent, um, to hiring managers, discussing salary negotiations, closing that candidate. However, if the recruiter identifies that their applicant traction is low or the candidates that they are screening are not viable, they will request for sourcer support. And that's where I come in and I do what I do <laughs> by pulling talent neurons, um, ensuring that Myself. You said talent neurons? Talent neurons, yes. Wait, yes. wait, no, hold on, hold on. What is an, a talent neuron? Because at first, I don't know, I thought I was tripping. I was like, you said neuron? Like, yes. what is a talent neuron? Everything with my process starts with data. Uh, of course, numbers don't lie, and sourcers nor recruiters can create the market. We can only deliver what is already there. And so, a piece of that is having a very sophisticated way of storytelling to our hiring team what the market is actually doing. So pulling those talent neurons to say, these are alternative locations, these are alternative um, titles to this opportunity that people are already working that could have the transferable skills that we're looking for. I'm bringing that data, I'm recalibrating with the hiring team, with my recruiting partner, and then I'm attracting the talent to the role. And so if any of you are connected with me on LinkedIn, you're gonna see that I'm selling the opportunities that LinkedIn, I'm sorry, uh, the opportunities that um, Uber present. You're gonna see me talk about our benefits, our perks, et cetera. And a part of all of that is just getting you guys through the door to um, sell what your talent is to our team. Okay, thank you for that. One of, you know, so right before I got in tech, I actually was a, uh, I was a rideshare driver. I'm not going to say who I was driving for. <laughs> Please don't say it. I ain't going to say who. Say I, that's that's say why I see I did that. Because we're on good terms. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I wasn't going to say who I, who I was driving for, but I was a rideshare driver. All I'm going to say is, your company ain't want to let me drive for them, but we're going we gonna to let that slide, though. We're going to let that slide. No, no, uh, sh shouts out to Uber. Um, and so... And so one of the things, and this is a complete sidebar from even like our conversation, one of the things I cannot tell you how often whenever I get inside of a rideshare, a driver's mm -hmm. vehicle, how 
I'm, if it's a long ride, you know, if it's, y'all know, like if it's one of those 10 minute rides, you know, you ain't really trying to talk 20, whatever. Yeah. Whenever it's like a longer ride and I'm kind of sitting there, I start asking like, hey, like, what is your plan like to get out of this? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I usually would try to encourage them be like, yo, instead of you driving, you know, for, you know, just driving for this company, maybe while you're driving for them, you should consider some of their some of their tech roles. Right. So that way you can go from just, you know, just being a driver to then you can now in some type of way either be implementing or developing or or recruiting or talent sourcing or doing something else where they're like honestly just better paying opportunities mm-hmm. in the role. Uh, so that's kind of like a complete sidebar, um, but it's something I was thinking about. So you've been a recruiter and a talent sourcer or, mm-hmm. or a talent sourcer for various different companies, not even just tech companies. Correct. So, and this is something that I was curious about. What is the difference or what has been like your difference or experience mm-hmm. in being a talent sourcer for tech companies mm-hmm. versus traditional companies? For sure. And so for the past seven years, I've supported talent acquisition as a full life cycle recruiter. So for Uber, this is my first opportunity where I am a formal, dedicated sourcer. And what I find the biggest difference to be is that there's a very sophisticated organizational way of sifting through who's going to support what. For example, we have data scientists in tech, we have program managers in tech, we have business analysts in tech, we have engineering, you know, being one of our most important parts of how we um, obtain our bread and butter. And so within tech, you're gonna get teams that are very niche and support those functions solely and exclusively versus spending their day-to-day supporting them all. That was good, family. If you're tuning into this and you're wondering, yo, how do I get a job like that in tech? We've got good news for you because we've just partnered with a tech bootcamp called General Assembly that'll help you get a job like this or a variety of others, no matter where you live at in the world. We're talking product management, UX, UI design, programming or development, data science, data analytics, and a variety of others. Use the link in our description and not only will you be able to do your first class for free, But for those who decide to sign up with the program, you'll get a $200 discount off. Make sure that you let us know which course you chose and keep us posted on your journey in tech. So, and this this is something I usually talk to people about because oftentimes I'm a a sales engineer Mm -hmm. and I oftentimes tell people like, hey, every company doesn't have a sales engineer because of the type of business that they're in. I'm curious, and this is a complete random sidebar, does, I guess, would like a Uber, do they have like sales engineers or, or, or tech sales, or is it one of those things where the, the product or the service just kind of sells itself in a way? Very good question. And, and, this, and just a heads up, this wasn't on the list. So if I ask anything and you're like, yo, I'm not allowed no, to answer this. No worries. This, yeah, tell me straight up. No worries, very good question. I have not ever seen the title sales engineer within Uber. Uh, We do have an engineering organization and then we do have a sales organization and they both work cross-functionally with each other and product. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, that makes, that so it's like a trifecta that's like mixing all the sauce together in order to be successful. Okay, thank you, thank you, friend. That was a personal question. So no worries. I appreciate that. <laughs> all right, so what is a safe space in tech? 
Um, mm-hmm. And like, what is the importance of having a safe space? Safe spaces are major for black people in tech. Most oftentimes, we, we have transitioned into tech, but we came from other industries, we came from other companies where we may have very well suffered some type of corporate PTSD, where maybe we were the only black people on our teams or the only black people within our organizations. And so you come into tech, which is still very much so a white dominated space for now, and you can have situations to happen where you're not for sure if what you're feeling is validated or you're not for sure how to react to it. You're not for sure how to even move on from it. You can have a terrible day and come back the next day and ask yourself, you know, the company is great. I love what I'm doing, but do I love being here in this moment? And you can be gone in the next because you chose to be. Now that's terrible because now like you're not doing what you love and then a company loses great talent. But if you have a village, a really strong village of people that you can identify with, that you're feeling a sense of inclusion from, that you're getting support, that if you are having a bad day before you pop off on whoever, you can have a side coffee chat to be like, this is what's going on. I just need to get that off my chest. I'm straight. (laughs) But then to even take it a step further, mentorship and career sponsorship and coaching is extremely beneficial to your development uh, long term. And so let's not get in the hang of like having a million mentors. Identify what your goals are, short term and long term. And as you're in these cross-functional meetings, as you are working projects, as you are a part of ERGs, hopefully your company does have ERGs, you can narrow down who it is that is at a higher level that you uh, would not mind mentoring you in a particular thing. And then as you are growing those organic relationships within your safe space, you can become vulnerable to certain situations and those people become your career sponsors because they know your strengths, they know your weaknesses, your mentor and your sponsor should be aligned so everyone knows what the end goal is and that sponsor champions you. And then you have your career coach that really fills the gap and ensure that you know the best way to communicate to each of those parties what it is that you want your next step to be. Thank you for that. So one of the things, if anybody's heard like kind of like our, our slogan or, or statement or, or whatever, it is, uh, whatever the term is called, uh, we always say like breaking into tech and scaling in tech. Mm-hmm. So you're essentially saying that one of the benefits of having that safe space and having that community is helping cultivate your your relationship in this industry so that you can scale. 100%. Okay, that's good. That's important to touch on. Um, so what are some of the do's and don'ts for someone who is approaching a recruiter or talent sourcer? Mm-hmm. The biggest don't don't reach out to talent sourcers or recruiters on LinkedIn with your resume and say, here's my resume, what do you have for me at your company? (laughs) We get hundreds of those messages and as much as we want to help you, we don't have the bandwidth. 
we are actually working, you know, full time for a corporation. We are not career coaches in that capacity, unless our profile says that we are. And in that case, you just want to ask for some time. Um, the best thing to do is to do your research, go to the career site, identify a few roles, two to three, maybe four, no more than four, um, that catch your eye, roles that you can use your transferable skills or your background, you know you'll be a good fit for, and then come to that recruiter or sorcerer and say, here is the job ID, here's the title of the role, here's my resume, this is what I'm interested in. Um, if you can help me get into the right hands, I would very much so appreciate that. Because most oftentimes, we're not even the person that owns the wreck for what it is you are um, seeking. So if someone were to, I guess, how often is it that someone like messages you, mm -hmm. whether on LinkedIn or, or some other platform, Yeah. and they, like usually what happens whenever they don't do that? Right. So when they don't do that, it actually sets you further apart from the rest of the competition. Yeah. Because then we have to receive the message, have the bandwidth to check it, and then respond back to you and say, actually, I need a little bit more information. Yeah, I think that was, <laughs> I, I want to I emphasize that, have the bandwidth to check it. I think have sometimes people don't realize that y'all don't have a large bandwidth. 100%. And then you have to go back, do the research, provide it back to us. And by that time, you know, time is of the essence. When you think about things like OFCCP compliance, we are checking our ATS in the order that uh, candidates are applying. And so the longer it takes for you to give us what we need to help you, then you're just letting the competition get, get way far in front. Okay, so um, so I sent over to you this, uh, this last question, but I actually want to rephrase it in a way. So initially, just for full transparency, the question initially was, uh, with my background being a rideshare driver, um, mm -hmm. immediately before breaking into tech, my question was, what advice would you have for someone who's a rideshare driver who wants to make that transition? But I actually want to like make the question a bit more broad because I'm sure most people in here are not rideshare drivers. So to make it more broad, what advice would you have for someone who is at a company mm -hmm. and that company in and of itself very similar to the company that uh, the company that you're a talent uh, source for, a senior talent source for, I want to put respect on your name. Thank senior you. talent source Thank for. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so what would your advice be for someone who's at a company that is either a tech company or tech is a very huge part of their business, but they're not in the tech sector of that business, what, but they want to make a transition into it at that same company? Got it. Um, you guys ever heard the term, go for what you know? Okay. A big part of that is using the transferable skills that you already have to get to where you would like to be. And on top of that, sometimes it takes an additional educational piece. Sometimes that may be a boot camp. Sometimes it's a certification. Sometimes it's getting you know, an additional degree. Now, once you've done those things, please highlight them on your social so that people know you are about that life. But in addition to that, the research is gonna come next. You're going to want to look at tech companies who may have business verticals or lines of business that support what it is you're already doing. Then you go on those pages on LinkedIn, 
view the people, their people tab, and see who it is that look just like you that you think would be more than happy to help you get in. Stalk them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I am oh, not God. kidding. <laughs> if they are a real one, they will be more than happy to help. Let them know what it is that you're doing. Do your research, find the job number, let, it, let them know what it is you're interested in, and then you guys can connect that way. Um, but also in saying that, I don't want for anyone to mistake like this. You don't necessarily have to have a very large network in order to get to where you wanna be. A few key players and a few genuine relationships can get you exactly where you wanna be in half the time. 